Well, it's Christmas Day, and I hope you're having a great time with your family, your friends, whether you're at home or you're traveling and you're at relatives' house. I hope you're having a great Christmas. We want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. You know, this time of the year, there's just a lot that is going on. Maybe for you, this is a time that's just difficult. It's hard. Maybe you've experienced loss of family members, um, sickness, um, just, just a lot that maybe is going on in your life right now, as well as just the chaos of this world. And it's just a heavy time. Well, my hope and prayer is as we read the scriptures this morning, that you will find much hope and peace in knowing that Jesus is our hope and he is our peace. For some of you, you love this time. You celebrate. You're just enjoying this time of the year. Maybe it's your favorite time of the year, the most wonderful time of the year as we've heard it sung. Maybe that's for you. Well, what I will tell you is that even as wonderful as it may be for you, I think that we all could say that things get stressful. It gets chaotic. And for all of us, regardless of where we are on that spectrum of whether it being a hard or difficult time or a time that we just really love, all of us are in need of the peace that only Jesus can bring. And so when we think about this and this text that we're going to read and look at today, this Christmas day, Isaiah chapter 9, there's a lot of hope we get in this. In chapter 8 of Isaiah, Isaiah was talking about the darkness that was in this world. It, not literal darkness, but spiritual darkness, that people were walking around in distress and gloom and anguish of the soul. And they were longing for a Savior. And the Messiah had been prophesied, and Isaiah was prophesying that there would be one who would come, and he would be the hope, he would be the light to the world, and that he would be the one who would bring joy, that he would... That he would um, that he would demolish, destroy strongholds, bondage, the enemy. And so Isaiah is talking about all this, but the thing I think is so important in this text is who this Messiah would be and who he is. And so in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, there's several names that Isaiah lists uh, that speak to the very name and the character of God expressed in his son Jesus, who is the Messiah. So in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, listen to what Isaiah writes. He says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now those names mean a lot to us, and we're going to look at that in just a few moments. But for right now, we're going to focus on this name that he's been given, the Prince of Peace. And so maybe you're asking the question, I know I've asked this question before, is that if Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he came to be our peace, then, then why am I not experiencing peace? You, you may be wondering that in this world that's full of chaos and maybe just the internal chaos of your own soul, your own heart, and your own mind. You're wondering, well, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, then why am I not experiencing peace? Well, there may be a few reasons for that. The first reason is it may be that your relationship with God is broken and there's no peace with God. Uh, because the peace of God doesn't reside where the chaos of sin reigns. So if sin is reigning in your heart, in your life, the peace of God is not going to abide there. As a matter of fact, Isaiah writes in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 22, he says this, There is no peace, says the Lord God, for the wicked. If there is sin that's reigning in your heart, that means that chaos ensues, that your life is going to be filled with chaos, because sin brings chaos. When we think about peace... Peace is not the absence of conflict, not the absence of conflict externally, not the absence of conflict in your soul, even peace. Um, and when we think of about this, it, there's the, the ancient the Hebrew word is shalom. And so in that day and time, in ancient times, the word shalom, 
it, it meant not just not just an absence of conflict, but it's it's rooted in the meaning of wholeness or completeness or soundness or health and safety um, and blessing. And it carried with this with it rather this implication of permanence that that it wasn't fleeting. That if you had the shalom, the peace of God, it was abiding. Um, it was constant. It was permanent. It wasn't fleeting. And when we think about peace today, there's some of you who are carrying around this false sense of peace, that if things are seem to be going okay, if work's going well, if your family life's going well, um, if finances are good for you right now, um, and, and you're at a good place, you think, with your own life, you think, you know what, I have peace. But the reality is, is that something's going to happen to disturb that external peace. Something's going to happen at your job. Something may happen with your family. Something may happen in your marriage. Something may happen, you know, whatever it may be. There are circumstances that are going to take place that are going to disrupt this peace. But for those who are believers in Christ, who know Jesus, there is an abiding peace that remains even in the midst of difficulty. It, it reminds me of in the New Testament when the disciples were in the boat and the storms came up. You may remember that story and the waves were coming over the, the boat and these fishermen, many of the disciples were fishermen and these guys who had been on the water their whole life, they were scared of this. And Jesus is in the boat, he's sleeping and in the midst of the storm and, and the disciples awaken him. And so Jesus looks at the storm, and he literally says to the wind and the waves, peace be still. And the truth is, is that wherever Jesus is, there is peace in the midst of chaos. But if you don't have a relationship with Christ, then there is no peace in your life. Sin is reigning. And where sin reigns, chaos abounds. It just does. And there is a lack of of peace. So maybe you're lacking peace because you have a, bro a broken relationship with God. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Or it may be that you're fighting against God and it's robbing you of his peace. For example, God may be calling you to something, maybe a place of obedience for you to do something, um, but you keep pushing back. He may be calling you to do something. He may be calling you to lay something down or to give something up or to let go of something, to surrender something that you've been holding on to. Uh, maybe it's it's unforgiveness in your heart. Um, maybe there's just anger. There, there, maybe there's a, this particular sin that you just keep, that keeps, I mean, has, has leverage in your life. It's a stronghold. And God keeps pressing in, telling you to surrender that to him. And you just keep holding on to it. And you're fighting against God, against God as though you can win. And so there's this tension between what God's calling you to do, or maybe where he's calling you to go, and, and, and you don't want to go there. You don't want to do this. You don't want to be it. And there's this tension there. And so because you're fighting against God, there is no peace. And until that's resolved, um, there's not going to be any peace. And I will promise you this, that when you're fighting against God, you can't win. You can't win this. So maybe there's a lack of peace, not only because you have a broken relationship with God, you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, but maybe it's because you're fighting against God. And, you're, and here's what I know to be true, that peace is never found in the fighting. It's found in the surrender. So just know that. Peace is never going to be found in the fighting with God. Peace is always found when you surrender to God. Those very things um, that he's saying, hey, just give those to me. Just give that to me. And trust me and follow after me. Maybe another reason why, why you, or another reason why you may not be uh, having peace in your life is because you're failing to put to death the sin that is causing conflict in your soul. 
I mean, we need to be brutal with sin. As a matter of fact, Paul talks about this, the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 7. Listen to what Paul writes. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil, desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. So Paul's speaking to believers. He's saying you used to live this way, but as a follower of Christ, you're no longer to live this way. You're to put to death those things, daily putting to death the sin that is causing you to stumble, the things that, that is causing conflict in your soul. You're, you're not putting it to death, you're feeding it. You know, and, and the reality is this, that, that you're either feeding your spirit or you're feeding your flesh. And the one you feed is always going to win. And so it may be that the reason why you're not experiencing peace in your life is because you're feeding the conflict. I mean, you, you are just, you're not putting to death sin in your life. You just continue to be in this vicious cycle. And God's saying, you've got to surrender this to me. So maybe that's one of the reasons why you're not experiencing peace in your life. Or maybe, here's the last reason, it may be that, that you're allowing the circumstances of life around you to distract you from the Spirit's peace in you. It kind of is similar to what I just talked about a few moments ago when Jesus was sleeping in the boat and the disciples were there in the boat and the storms were raging, the wind was, was whipping up the waves and they thought they were going to sink. They thought that they were going to drown. And yet Jesus was with them in their midst and wherever Jesus is, wherever his abiding presence is, there is peace regardless of what's going on around you in your life. And that should give us a lot of hope. But it may be the reason why you're lacking peace is because you're allowing the distractions of life um, to distract you from uh, the peace that God gives us by his spirit. So I, what, what is it? What is it maybe in your life? Because Jesus promised this in John 14, verse 27. He said, peace I, le I leave with you. My peace I give to you. It kind of goes back to what I said a few moments ago, that there's this false sense of peace that we may carry. The world's peace is not peace. Just, that just pacifies you for a moment. But when the difficulties of life roll around, you realize how, how fragile and how empty the world's peace is. It's not peace at all. And so Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world give, gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So when we're trusting God, when we don't let the circumstances of our life, whatever they may be, um, distract us, then, and we keep our eyes focused on Jesus and His Spirit who dwells in us, then we experience His peace. And that's the whole reason why we celebrate Christmas, Advent. Advent just means the arrival of Christ, that He has come. This side of His birth and the cross, we look back and see the Messiah has come. And there's a second Advent coming, His second coming. And we long, just as they were longing for the Messiah to come the first time, we long for the Messiah, for Jesus to come back in his second advent. We long for that day. But as we think on this right now, in these circumstances, as we're between the two advents, the advent of his coming, his first coming, and the advent of his second coming that is still to come, we're in the middle of these two advents. And I don't know about you, but, but I desire to know more of his peace. And so Jesus came to bring peace to the conflict and the chaos of our soul. That is the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of who Christ is and what he has done for God's glory, but also for our good. In the book of Matthew, or Micah rather, in Micah chapter 5, listen to what the prophet writes. Beginning in verse 1 through verse 5. He says, Now muster your troops, 
O daughter of troops, siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, who is coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. That's who Jesus is. This was prophesied about the Messiah, Jesus, who would come. And Micah said, he shall be their peace. And he is our peace. And, and when we look at these names of, of Jesus that's prophesied, as I read a few moments ago, that he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, this should give us a lot of comfort, right? Jesus is wonderful counselor, which means that he counsels us, he directs us. And I don't know about you, but I need counsel. I need direction in this life. I need to know how to navigate this life that we live. And the only way we can navigate it well is to let Jesus counsel us, to let him lead us. God's word says in Psalm 32, 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I don't, that is so encouraging that to know that God is always watching and counseling and guiding us. If we turn our eyes to him and we trust him, his word tells us he's going to instruct us. He's going to teach us in the way that we should go. He's going to show us exactly how to live life and the decisions we need to make. And he's going to counsel us with his eye on us. I've shared this before just a couple of weeks ago about how when I was a kid and riding a bicycle, before I began to ride my bike on my own, and you're probably the same way, is that I, we, I had training wheels on my bike and I remember I hated the training wheels. I felt so constrained by them and they never were even. Have you ever remember that where you kind of teetered back and forth from that because your training wheels were never level. It was just, it was crazy. So, but I remember the time that I wanted to, 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 to ride my bike on my own. And so my dad came outside with me and, and just like every parent, he, he kind of guided me. Um, now that the training wheels were off, he kind of guided me. He was there with me the whole time. And then, and then the further I would pedal, the, the, the more he would let go and release, and then he just kind of just let me ride. But the whole time that I was riding my bike, he was watching me. He was kind of keeping his eye on me, even as I hit that mailbox, and I really did hit the mailbox. And he ran down and picked me up because in life, I will just tell you, there are a lot of mailboxes, and you're going to hit a mailbox every once in a while, figuratively speaking, but we get back up. We trust God. We trust his ways. We trust his instruction. We trust his counsel. And know that just like my earthly dad, that he came and he picked me up, he put me back on the bike, and he guided and directed me, and I went riding, and he watched in, with his eye on me. God, even more so, our perfect Heavenly Father, regardless of what you're going through in life, he's our wonderful counselor who counsels us, guides us, directs us. He keeps his eye on us. So he's a wonderful counselor, but it also says that he is mighty God, which means there is nothing, nothing too difficult for God that we can trust him in our difficult moments, that even things we don't understand, we know that nothing's too difficult for God. When, when it seems as though the enemy has the upper hand in your life, just remember that God always has his sovereign hand on top. He is always sovereign over all things. He's mighty God. But it also says he's everlasting father. 
that God never grows weary in caring for us in our weariness and even in our wanderings, that he's everlasting father. I love what Charles Spurgeon says. Maybe you've heard this quote before, but he said, there is no unfathering Christ and there is no unchilding us. He is everlastingly a father to those who trust in him. Man, we can't unfather Christ. If we're followers of Jesus, we can't unfather him and he will never unchild us that he is our everlasting father. And then lastly, as I mentioned, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He shall be their peace. He is our peace for those who've put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So the good news is that maybe you're separated from God. Maybe your relationship with God is broken because you've never turned from sin and turned to Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. Well, that is the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of this season. That's why the angel said to the shepherds, I bring you good news of great joy, which is for all the people. The good news of great joy is that Jesus came to reconcile us to God, which means Jesus came to take what was broken, restore it, reconcile it so that we can have a relationship with God. And so in this, it's only in Christ. It's only in Christ that we can have true peace, right? Being reconciled to God through Jesus brings true peace. And it's only through Jesus that we can have true peace. That's what Micah was saying in Micah chapter 5, that he will be their peace. So Jesus wasn't just born for our peace. He was willing to go to to, to Calvary, to the cross, and, and to die in order to secure our peace so that it's not fleeting. It's constant. It's permanent. So we don't ever have to worry about his peace not being with us if we're his child. Now we can choose to focus on different things and it can stress us out and we can be at unrest for sure. But when we're trusting him, when we're putting our eyes on him, we experience this peace that is beyond what we can understand. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, Paul writes this. He says, for in him, talking about Jesus, All the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, through Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. So Jesus reconciled us to the Father so that we could have peace. The only way we can have peace is through Jesus Christ. John MacArthur said this. He said, God can work peace through us only if he has worked peace in us. Those who are in the best of circumstances... But without God can never find peace. But those in the worst of circumstances, but with God, need never lack peace. That's just, I don't know if you can say it any better than that. It's just comforting to know that. That regardless, if, you have, if you're in the best circumstances, Stamptus, the best circumstances, but you're without Christ, then there is no peace. But you can be in the worst circumstances and know Christ and never have need. Uh, or lack thereof peace, just because he's our peace, right? So we can trust that our peace with God is found only in Jesus, but also having confident trust in God gives us peace, perfect peace, that when we confidently trust him, Isaiah 26, verse 3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's Isaiah 26, 3. So our trust or our, our faith in God is what pleases him, and the result is, is peace. So, so maybe the question that we need to ask is, how do we know if we have confident trust in God? How, how, how do you know that you have confident trust in God? Maybe ask yourself this. In this circumstance, whatever that circumstance is, whatever circumstances you find yourself in right now, difficult, whatever it may be, in this moment, in this season of my life, 
not just Christmas, but in this season of my life, the age you are, the life stage that you're in, in this season of life, with this relationship I'm in, maybe you're dating somebody, you're engaged, friendships, whatever it may be, with your job, with your finances, with, with your family, with your marriage, with your health, with your struggles. Here's the question. Can you be confident in trusting God? With all those things, do I have confident trust in God regardless of all these circumstances and things going on in my life right now? Can I confidently trust Him? And here's what I found to be true. That regardless of how difficult it is or feels, regardless of the outcome, regardless of how unfair life seems right now, it's saying with all sincerity, I trust the sovereign goodness and grace of a God who loves me. That's really the question. Do you trust the sovereign goodness and grace of the one true God who loves you more than you could ever know? Do you trust him? He's your everlasting father. He's worthy of our trust. The other thing I know to be true is that because Christ is near, I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to worry. As I, I'm, as I make my request known to God, then he gives me peace that's beyond my understanding. As a matter of fact, the apostle Paul again says in Philippians chapter four, he says, the Lord is at hand, which means he's near. Therefore, don't be anxious about anything, but in, in, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. What is it that's going on in your life? Just simply tell God this. Let your request be made known to God. And here's the promise. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I mean, think about how a lack of peace messes with your mind and your heart. Your emotions are all over the place. Your thoughts are all over the place. But when we give our request to God and we trust and we have strong confidence in Him, it says that He gives us a peace that surpasses our understanding. We can't even comprehend it. But you have to trust Him. And God really is trustworthy. And then this last thing I would share with you is that putting sin to death is necessary in order to live in perfect peace. You've got to put sin to death. Paul says in Romans 8, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. goes back to what are you feeding? You feeding the Spirit or the flesh? Colossians 3.5, put to death therefore what is earthly in you and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Which means if you're letting sin reign in your heart, you're not going to be experiencing the peace of God, the peace of Christ. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's worry. Maybe it's idolatry, something that you are giving more attention and affection to than you are to God. Maybe it's idolatry. It may be pride, arrogance, thinking you can do whatever you want to do and live life however you want to live life. Maybe it's selfish ambition. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Again, we talked about that. Maybe it's jealousy or envy. And the truth is that if you don't kill these things, they're going to be killing you. John Owen in his writings, Mortification of Sin in Believers, he said this, be killing sin or it will be killing you. But it doesn't have to be that way. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. It's because God sent his only son, Jesus, into the darkness, into the gloom, the anguish, the brokenness, the chaos, the sin-ravaged world that we live in so that he might be the sacrifice for our sins, taking your sins and my sins upon himself so that dying on the cross, shedding his blood for our sins, that we might experience forgiveness as we turn from our sin and turn to Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. And when we surrender our life to him as Savior, 
God's word tells us he saves us. And because of that, we have hope, we have life, the forgiveness of sin, and we have his abiding peace. Without Jesus, there is no peace in your life. So no matter what you do or how hard you try to fix what's broken in you, you can't. I couldn't. It was only when I turned my life to Jesus and surrendered to him as Savior, asking him to forgive me my sin, that my life changed. I had peace that I never had before. The weight of the bondage of sin was broken. I'd been forgiven. And now I have this promise of eternal life with him whenever God says it's time for me to leave this earth. So what about you? What about you? In the chaos of this world and in the chaos of your soul, where are you seeking to find peace? And I'm just going to tell you that this season, Advent, Christmas, is all about the Prince of Peace. My hope and my prayer for you is that you will find who he is and you will surrender your life to him. I hope you enjoy his peace this Christmas day.